So I'm going to peel back the curtain a little bit on this here podcast. Give our listeners a peek behind to see what goes on. So, Father Harrison, it is excellent to hear you clearly. Yeah. To know all the words you're saying. <laughs> because last podcast, unbeknownst to our good listeners, or maybe mildly beknownst. We, we mildly beknownst. So. Beknownst, exactly. So on my end of the internet, you would cut out, like literally every 15 seconds or so yep. and i had no idea what you were saying and i just had to fake it the entire blessed time blessed are you yeah well, what's amazing about that is <laughs> i feel like our conversation was just as good as it normally is so the question that it, it moves me to ask is how much do i ever really listen to you never right you never listen to me and this is another reason to blame Canada. Oh. Another thing I can blame Canada on was like the Canadian end of that internet was all fuzzy hey, here's the thing. because of the snowstorms. I'm still in Canada. They got lost. A Yeti I'm, ate it I'm or still something. in Canada. Uh, and it's yeah, working fine. Is it working fine? I prayed against the Canadian winds that I blame the, the Pittsburgh Penguins. Pipes. Uh, no. Yes, I just did it. I just I did. No, I have so no idea. you can't do anything about it. All right, that's... That, that and on that eloquent note, hey guys, <laughs> welcome to Clerically Speaking. I'm Father Anthony, and I'm Father Harrison. Father Harrison, what's going on, Father Harrison's what life? What is going on? You know what? I just, I am. It's weird recording on a Tuesday, but I'm actually feeling pretty good. I, I mean, I'm not going to share what was happening at the meeting. We just had a clergy meeting, and it was really good. I felt the priests and the bishop. We shared our hearts with each other in an awesome way, and I came away from this thinking I love my bishop even more now. And I was just—it was just good. I don't know. I'm in a good mood. I, I had spiritual direction on the card right car right up to the to the uh, meeting because my yeah, so yeah. Um, yeah, it's God's good, man. Yeah. Can I ask? Can I ask? Yeah. How often? When's your like? Uh, how often do you go to spiritual direction? What is that for you? I would like. I mean. I'm starting to realize now that I'm kind of stable in my priesthood, I'm stable with assignments and stuff. I don't feel I need, I mean, it's hard to get it every month anyways. Sure. But so, and I was talking to my spirit director about this day. So I don't think I need it every month, but it's good. So I, and it's hard because he's two and a half hours away. So it's not like I can just drive up and make an hour long right. appointment. Pop on over. So I, I would like to go every month, but every, it's about every two months. But I still get mm -hmm. my, um, I still get to confession though. Every I have a pre I have a retired priest in my parish, so I go to confession to him every three or four weeks. So nice. I still at least nice. get that at least. So, yeah. How about you? How how often do you go to spiritual direction? Well, so for the first like few months of my priesthood, I was going every two weeks <laughs> because I'm really just a huge ball of nerves and I'm panicking yep. all the time. So I was like, Aah! and. Um, also, every two weeks was kind of what the we were doing seminary. Mm -hmm. So I was like, ah. Yeah. But now, now it's it's every month or so, and my spiritual director only lives um, about an hour away. Yeah. Not even that, yeah. you know. Um, and I usually time it so I'll go down to visit him. Yeah. And then I'll take the rest of my day off. Right. So then I'll just kind of, yeah. So it works out. Nice. I think I know actually why the internet wasn't working the last time. I just realized that you weren't wearing you you weren't wearing a toque. So your hair got in the way of the internet waves. So because this is a an audio podcast, <laughs> let me explain. Um, He's got crazy hair. I'm sure. 
I do. I have I have a lot of hair. I haven't gotten my hair cut in months. <laughs> um, I'm going for like the rejected apostle look is really what I'm going for. And so my dad bought me this like little hat. So it's I'm called wearing, a toque. I'm wearing a little hat. Yeah. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, do people know what that is? A toque? That's a Canadian word. Really? Is it just yeah. a Canadian word? Oh, interesting. It super is. Like we might call it like a beanie. Yeah, I've heard beanie like before. A, it's like one of those little winter caps. Yes, we call it toques. Yeah. So that way my hair isn't getting tangled in the interwebs. Yeah, because when you took the it off the there, podcast. I just stopped seeing you for a second, which tells me it's your yeah, hair. Yeah, no, no, I'll keep it on. Yeah. I'll keep it on. <laughs> the rest of the podcast should be a smooth assailant. Exactly. Oh, man, that was rough. Yeah, it was. Hey, how about we sail into everybody's favorite segment? Suma. The Suma. Tweetologica. Suma Tweetologica. Suma Tweetologica. Suma Tweetologica. Suma Tweetologica. We talk about a Producer Nick is in the other room because he doesn't actually produce the show. He just edits it. And he, he laughed at us talking about the Summa Tweetologica. Oh, right. let's see. Let's look at some tweets. Oh, here's one that um, got everyone in, in all riled up on Twitters. This is from Hunter at Hunter Lanceman. Sports ranked from trad. <gasps> yes. Oh my from gosh. From trad to least trad. So this is from trad to least trad. I'm coming after you, Hunter. Baseball, golf, tennis, boxing, soccer, football, baseball, hockey. So basketball, hockey. Just basketball. Sorry, basketball, hockey. So to sum that up. Baseball is the most trad, and hockey is the least trad. And just in case some of our listeners aren't up with all the Twitter lingo, trad meaning like traditional like the more traditional yeah. minded uh, like the mm. traditional catholic kind of idea so yeah so he said that and everyone got all fired up because you are from canada and yeah. you people like the hockey so here's the thing it was not a scientific list it was a list of preference because he even admitted that he hates hockey he does not like the sport and i don't get that at all because if you're going to make actually, something that makes Go sense, ahead. though, because trad is really whatever you like, <laughs> right? That's okay. These are my Fair church point. preferences. So but If we're going to go with what people think trad means, yes, then you have to take in the tradition of the sport, mm. the pageantry of the sport, etc., etc. And my main argument around why hockey at least deserves to be higher up on the list is for one reason only, the Stanley Cup. Yeah. That is the most trad trophy in all of sport. Yes, there's a lot of history and tradition in that. That's a good argument. I think baseball is okay, at least if like if we're just thinking American sports. Yeah, yeah, uh, that makes sense to me. There's a lot of rules in there. There's a lot of like detail, minutia that you can like kind of, mm-hmm. um, you know, in, get into. Boxing being in the middle, I have no idea. I mean, it's it's old in the sense that people have been punching each other in the face for as long right. as there have been people in faces. But yeah. uh, but that was that was a fun conversation. Oh my gosh. 
we spent wait i spent way too much time on that conversation it only it uh it was it was a lot of fun hunter's a good sport mm-hmm. i i he is i just don't think he realized how much of the hockey lovers were gonna come out after him he did not expect that much traffic he did not tweet. expect that much but it was fun it was mm-hmm. fun so i'm gonna pull up something actually because we're recording on a tuesday we um are. something i saw yesterday was did you watch the primetime Emmys yesterday i did not neither did i okay I, I was at a pub with a brother priest it was my day of rest yesterday so i'm it, i decided to come down to victoria because we had these meetings and stuff so i would mm-hmm. and we saw it and there was someone i guess proposed to his girlfriend on stage was a, one of the big news stories but i thought oh this is an interesting comment it came from thandy newton and uh the and the news place that did it was called at complex and she says, I don't even believe in God, but I'm going to thank her tonight. Oh, what an edgy thing to say. Very wow. edgy. What a cool, edgy thing to say. Yeah. Because there's a few things. Just jump right in. <laughs> because that just, that's amazing. I love that, that statement. Yeah. So I don't even believe in God, which, okay, fine. But yeah. you're going to thank her. And when you say thank her, like, we, as good theologians, you and I, Father Harrison, we yes. know that God is not well, gender. I'm a good theologian. Uh, so you know as a good theologian, <laughs> as I bow before your ma- like, tell me if I'm right on this, good theologian, God has no gender, right? Exactly. But biblical religion has God revealing himself as Father. Something right. about calling God Father is good for us to do. So right. a lot of times whenever anybody calls God female, they're just trying to make more of, I feel like, a political point. Yeah. So you're saying, like, I don't believe in God. Wait, 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 anyway. People make political points at the Emmys? That's I what shook. I hear. Yes. Yes, that is true. What a, what a, what a, what a shame. Um, so that was yeah. interesting. Yeah, you're right. Exactly. And I, and I think that's the thing. It's, you know, people, it's about God isn't gendered, but he is because um, he's God. He's sexless right yeah. but that when we use these pronouns they communicate something to us that's essential about who god is and just for that one person in their car screaming at us yes jesus is a man and he's god we know that we're talking more about you know in general yeah. but yes jesus exactly. is incarnate as a dude um but there's another thing with that like yes. this desire to be we feel gratitude mm-hmm. sometimes whether we like it or not yeah. Which is a weird feeling to have if there's no one to be grateful towards. Exactly. Right? It's one it's of those... weird human quirks. Yeah, it's one of those... I'm trying to remember who is... Um, so I think it's a Chesterton who kind of makes... The, or is it Lewis? Yes. That that's one of their arguments for the I think Chesterton makes that argument. I think it was Chesterton that this yeah. this need for gratitude shows us that, there's so, that there is someone greater whom, to whom we're supposed to give gratitude too so yeah it's interesting that they feel this yeah you're right that's a great point that you are a good theologian mm-hmm. yeah, I, I will admit it i will admit it you're a good theologian mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah uh, i have my moments we'll see we'll see how the rest of the podcast goes as we talk about especially the book coming up but anyway so this one is from uh not that isa and it is isa right we we learned this on twitter yes how to pronounce yes. her name correctly. who made our and, our logo Yes, thank you for making our logo. It's, it still works. We still like it. We still keep it. Okay, she, this is in a conversation, but she tweeted, standing in line of, oh, let me do this again. Standing in the bread line of life for my husband, please. 
standing in the breadline of my life for my husband, please. And uh-huh. this, we need some context with this. Okay. I forget what was going on in this thread. Let me scroll up. But basically, I was tweeting about, hey, let's just, let's just have arranged marriages for Catholics. Right. Like, if you don't have a call, like, thinking about our last podcast mm-hmm. uh, about discernment of vocations, if you're not called to the priesthood, then just get in line. And the guys will get in one line, girls will get another line. <laughs> they'll meet up, and as long as they're relatively attracted to each other, they'll get married. Boom. Right? I think that would be a mercy. At my right. new parishes, I'm going to set up an engagement line. Everyone just lines up. You get married. Let's take this. You know, don't make it so complicated. Yes. Dating's hard. No one likes it. Yeah. Just get in line. Get your spouse. Move on with your life. Yes. Amen. There we go. Uh, I got one from... That all you wanted to say? I, I don't know. I have I'm surprised on... you want to say nothing about that because <laughs> that I was got... all crazy, and you're like, yeah, whatever. I don't know. Like, I, got... I was joking. I, I feel like you're serious. No, I'm not That's serious. But I, you're right. No, but the joking point that you're making is that actually we make dating to be too much of a thing. Yeah. Okay, fine. I will comment. Um, <laughs> yeah, there because you I go. can't Come keep on. my mouth shut. Um, <laughs> but that we the reason dating is so hard is because we make every event of it of the courting process or whatever you want to call it is steeped in too much meaning so when a yes. guy asks a girl out for coffee she's like oh my gosh can i marry this guy i don't know and then or vice versa right and the guy's like when i ask this girl out it's essentially like we go for coffee we get married we have babies and we die together right. it's like no you're just going for coffee <laughs> like I think it's two things coffee. can be true true at once like you okay. can date for marriage of course and just well, go on should. a date right but you can you can also just go on a date too like well, you don't exactly. have to like yeah i guess what i'm trying to get at with that is that it's coffee i mean yeah you you're seeing is this going to work but it's just coffee it doesn't coffee does not mean you have to get on your knee and propose right then and there and i think that's why a lot of people are afraid of dating it's because every gesture every movement is so red with so much meaning that it gets hard to it gets scary to actually try any of those steps okay but what if the person you're going out to coffee with makes you a latte and puts a little heart in it well then you should just get down your knee right then and actually you should just get the priest who's sitting at the next table to marry you right then there we go see there we go we solved all your problems you're welcome there we go. single there Catholics we go. who are listening to this uh so monsignor mike dickman Dickman? Yes, Dickman, Dickman, he'll he'll correct me, I'm sure. I think awesome. Dickman probably. I gotta just say, Monsignor Mike, I've followed him for years on Twitter. Just a good, one of these good veteran priests. You know, you meet these priests who've just yeah. been on on. They've been doing this for so many years, and they're just good guys who just. He's one of these guys, and mm-hmm. I've always had a lot of respect for him. And I hope I can get down to St. Louis one day to meet him because he just seems like just a really good priest, and he loves yeah. hockey. Yeah, he's got a hockey jersey on his yeah, exactly. uh, avatar. So he pick. says this. How can we attract others to Christ when half the time on Twitter we're arguing amongst ourselves or touting our own agenda about how to say mass, what vestments to wear, stand or kneel in line, etc.? Or am I just getting cranky in old age? Excuse me while I go hear confessions. <laughs> I like how that last line is basically his priestly mic drop. Exactly. exactly. Like, you guys keep arguing. I'm going to go be a priest. Exactly. <laughs> like, Look at that. And they're... There is a wisdom to what he is saying. We who are young need to listen to him. Uh, he is getting, because it, it's getting to this idea, and I've had this discussion with different people, that how we act, we always have to remember Christ's love is mediated through the church. So how we act will either 
aid or inhibit that gesture or that ability for Christ to mediate his love. Yeah. Right? So when we're getting so cranky on Twitter about things liturgical, etc., it's not... It's like, in other words, stop yelling about it and actually have a discussion. You think this thing about kneeling? Let's have a discussion saying you're wrong and you're an idiot because you're wrong. <laughs> so yeah. in other words, he's subtweeting you, Anthony. Father Anthony. Yeah, yeah. Everyone subtweets me because <laughs> I have so many followers and they're afraid to step up and at me. No, but but yeah, you bring up a good thing. I think we need to reflect on on yeah. how we act on Twitter yeah. and just in life in general as, mm-hmm. as you know, because Twitter's just one platform. But uh, also having a good spirited debate about these things yep. in a respectful way in yep. an open way is a good thing and so later on i got into a well a debate more or less with at uh i'm just gonna sorry buddy father buddy i'm just gonna spell out your handle here at p de vow at p de v father philip devu probably i'm sorry about that pronunciation anywho he got into this whole debate with me Oh yeah, actually yeah, that's good. Clap for me. That's very insert cool. insert slow clap. Please, track. please, <laughs> please clap. Please applaud. Um, anyway, his point was that like good debate is good, and there's exactly. nothing. And Twitter's yeah. actually can be can be a good platform. For oh yeah, that. totally. So I think both points were were good points. And I wanna I wanna add a little something to this too. Uh, I I meant to say it in the opening remarks, but uh, so on the last podcast where we talked about Catholic atheism, I got a little salty about uh lay employment <laughs> oh yeah at the very end you kind of just dropped the bomb and they're and like I, time for the podcast yeah. to be over and, and I, guys guys i didn't hear what he said he cut out i would have i would have fixed it because i'm very pastoral i'm the pastoral priest don't listen to father harrison <laughs> anyway go ahead you're gonna say something go so ahead. i gotta make a bit of an apology one of our listeners faithful listeners kind of said how my remarks may hurt her a bit and I, I, you know, I think this is, I, 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 I do struggle. And it, sometimes when I struggle with a, a direction in the church, I get very critical, not because I actually think everyone's horrible or anything like that, but, uh, I, I just, I see the logic of things sometimes too much and I forget the heart of it all sometimes. So mm. I probably saw the logic of it too much and I tried to tro- drop a truth bomb without all the subtle distinctions that can come with it. So to any of our listeners who are hurt, I am sorry I screwed up and uh, I don't hate you all. <laughs> you but I still hate Father, Father Harrison is a big dum-dum. Let's move yeah. on to our next segment. Now this is very exciting. <laughs> this is very exciting. Because this is a brand new segment. It gets a brand new bumper. So one of the things we're going to try to do as the intro, uh, as the podcast continues on, is uh, I think you remember our first podcast, we talked about Jordan Peterson's book. So about every Mm -hmm. month or so, we want to bring up a new book. And that new book will be discussed in the following segment entitled The Index. Oh no, it's finally here. The index! No! 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 Not my books! Not my books! When the index comes to town, we take your books and we burn them! Okay, so we mentioned the index. The concept of the index 
uh, on the first podcast, but just yeah. to explain again, the index was this list that the church used. Um, it was a list of books that Catholics shouldn't read or shouldn't read without permission from mm-hmm. a bishop. Mm-hmm. Um, so the idea was that, you know, what you read really influences you. And if you read bad stuff, that's going to have a bad influence on your soul. That being said, we're going to read good books, bad books, discuss them. And at the end, we're going to ask, should they be on the index? All right. So the book we're checking out this episode is Searching for and Maintaining Peace, a small treatise on peace of heart by Father... Well, you're going to tell me out of this, Father Harrison, because you're, you're French, right? Yeah, I, I can speak uh, French, yes. You can speak I want to see, though. I want to hear, because you have such great pronunciation abilities with names... I do. I really you know, do. Riley, MC Catholic. You couldn't see that it was Scottish, that it's McCatholic. I, I retweeted <laughs> in repentance. Anyway, so okay. Father Jacques Philippe. No. Is that not it? No. Oh, Father Jacques Philippe. Jacques. Jacques. Is that not what I said? You said Jacques, didn't you? Jacques Philippe. No, Is that not? Jacques. I feel like we're saying it's the same thing. No, it's just Jacques. Jacques. No, it's, right. there's no accent aigu or accent grave there, so uh, it's just Jacques. Okay, agree to disagree. Uh, you're so wrong because you're American. It's on searching for and maintaining <laughs> peace. peace. Which we don't seem Very to have right now. Unlike this conversation, <laughs> no conflict in this conversation. Okay, let's let's start off by making people angry. Uh, okay, with this opinion that I have. Okay, good because I I got to make sure you make people angry, not just me. Right. We've got we got spread out the anger. So sometimes I find in the church, someone comes up with this concept. And it's not a new concept, but it's a new way of packaging it. Mm-hmm. Um, for example, maybe many of you have heard the phrase becoming the best version of yourself. Mm-hmm. Right. So it's a good idea. It's a different way of packaging the idea of sainthood, maybe in a more approachable thing. But then the more and more I hear it, the more and more I hate it and want to take it apart and des- destroy it and throw it on the ground and everyone likes it and I'm like, haha, no, it's dumb. Okay, so you may have heard about the distinction between happiness and joy. Hmm. So the Christian life won't make you happy, but it will make you joyful. Right. And my response is, what the heck does that mean? Right. Because joy and happiness, I don't know. I, I, think, don't I, actually, I think I actually mentioned that at the last podcast. You did. You did. That's why I came up with this intro to see how you would react. I think it's a stupid attempt at a distinction. Okay. What is the difference between joy and happiness? So, Father Harrison from Canada. So I wanted to hear, yeah, why do you think it's a wrong distinction to make? Um, like I said, I think it's getting at a good concept, but like maybe you run into this problem in preaching. I, I do. Yeah. When you're trying to explain the fact that being a Christian is good, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's something attractive about it, or else mm-hmm. we wouldn't be priests. Right. We wouldn't be preaching this, right? Right. And it's something more. It's something more than just the fact that it's true. Right. So we believe in the faith because we think it's true. It's real. But mm-hmm. there's something more to it. Like, mm-hmm. I can believe this faith is true and not joyfully proclaim it mm-hmm. or happily proclaim it. Mm-hmm. Okay, so, but we also know that if you're going to be a Christian, you're going to carry your cross, and there's going to be pain and suffering. And I think a lot of times, and I mentioned this last episode, but a lot of times we don't emphasize that enough. Mm-hmm. So that when people do encounter the cross, they like immediately buckle, I feel, because we haven't prepared them for this cross. Right. So I struggle with this language like, yeah, Jesus is going to make you joyful, but not happy. But what does that mean? It means that 
even when you're suffering, you're still joyful. That's my problem with it. Okay. So because I, I end do, up just yeah. grunting at people in homilies, I just go right. and they then boo me off the and, ambo, and then I cry. Right. And that's why my mass has actually lasted an entire hour because of the booing and the crying. Right. And uh, it's a problem. Gotcha. Right. Right. Okay. I hear you. <laughs> this is a that's a that's a passive aggressive way of saying I disagree. Uh, yes. <laughs> I hear that's you. Christian speak. I hear you. Um, no, I do hear you. I think, and I think you make up, you bring some great points. And I, I think there is happiness that comes with, but I do think happiness, I mean, we, there's a reason we use different words, right? We, yes. if, if happiness and joy were the same thing, we would just call them the same thing. We wouldn't use different words. Mm-hmm. Plus, I do think that the way happiness is pursued, I mean, how many times have you heard, well, as long as you're happy, Right. Right. As long as you're happy, I think part of it is the way the culture has been formed around the word happy. We have such a, a, a weird uh, sense of what that word actually means that we have to almost distinguish it from joy. And also, Paul calls joy a fruit of the Holy Spirit, but he doesn't call uh, happiness yeah. a fr- fruit of the Holy Spirit. There is and a little think, bit of a technical and, and term. Mm. Because joy is not just a happy feeling. I think it's, and it's going to get to what we're going to talk about today with this book. Joy is a peace thing. Happiness mm-hmm. is a good thing, and we should experience it as Christians. We shouldn't always be sour, um, but we should. But happiness can be fleeting, at least in its worldly form. Does that make sense? I think it makes a lot of sense. Okay. Um, so the reason why I started with this kind of crazy, seemingly tangent, but wait until you hear the wisdom of this one, guys. <laughs> I feel like, and you mentioned it, that talking about peace helps clarify that idea of yep. joy for me. Exactly. And this whole book is about peace. And yeah. I think that word evokes a little bit more intuitive meaning for me. Yeah. Um, but okay, let's talk about peace. Okay, go ahead. So what, here's, a, here's another, can define peace. What is peace? Father Harrison, do you want to take a crack at this? You no, do you, you you take the crack. I, you always ask me yeah. questions. I want, like, let, let, let's let you ask, let, let's you answer. Okay, that's answer. fair. So... <laughs> Maybe the way that, through reading this book, Defining Peace, is that disposition of the soul that mm-hmm. allows God to act in you. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. the disposition of the soul that allows God to act in you. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe another way to describe it would be that disposition of the heart or the soul that makes you truly and utterly believe in and rely on God. Like mm-hmm. the opposite of the you know, Catholic atheist that we talked about right, exactly. is the Catholic at true peace. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would totally agree as with that. we, as we go on, like, I think we can kind of talk about peace in the kind of normal intuitive understanding of the word. Yeah. But maybe that little bit of breakdown will help because it is, it's this disposition. It's this, mm-hmm. not, not just a feeling, but kind of a place where your soul's at right. that influences all of your actions, how you perceive the world, how you react to it. It right. doesn't necessarily change the world, but changes your place in it. Right. Does that all make sense? Yeah, totally makes sense. I think that's a great definition. Mm-hmm. So here's the big takeaway, I think, from this book, which is a short book. And really, guys, pick it up. It's, yeah. it's a little itty bitty book, and it, I think it's, it's potentially life-changing. I think the big takeaway from it is that not only are you allowed to be at peace, you should strive for interior peace. You yeah. should fight 
for interior peace. Mm -hmm. If you don't have peace, go get it. Go to Jesus and get your peace, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. Because something that I do, I think a lot of people do, because a lot of people are crazy like me, is like, no, I don't deserve peace because I'm a wretched, terrible sinner. Mm -hmm. and, and true, you and I, we are wretched, terrible sinners. Not Father Harrison, but you, listener, and I, wretched, terrible sinners. That being said, we still should be at peace. Right. Correct, right. Father Harrison? I totally agree. And I think I'll, I have some tips on how to read the book at the end because I think it's I, – I love this book. And I've ordered this book like 20 times mm -hmm. because anytime someone – because I, you, you and I know this as priests who hear confession. When people are coming to confession, they're not at peace often. Yeah. They're anxious. They're worried. They've got a they've got an unrest of soul. And they come there intuitively knowing that this isn't um what's the word I'm looking for? This isn't the normal state of the Christian. Right. Something's this, wrong. Something's they wrong. They know something's off. Yeah. If Jesus is who he says he is, why am I why is why am I so disturbed in my soul? And so I get this book a lot because for people, because I think it actually is an antidote to a lot of anxiety that people have. And again, I'm not saying in the medical sense, but that just more experiential sense of anxiety uh, um, of dealing with. Um, I mean, he goes through this whole book. He's talking. I mean, he, it's, it's very practical. It's very easy to read. And it's very. Um, but he goes through stuff like. What should we do when we have sin? Patience vis-a-vis -vis our own faults and imperfections. Patience towards others. Uh, the faults and shortcomings of others. In all people who suffer, there is Jesus. Like In all of this, it's this is why peace is the answer to this. Mm. And people often struggle to know, how can, I, how can I be a Christian when I'm suffering this much? How can I be a Christian when I have to deal with this uh, jerk priest who I have to podcast with every week. Or, yeah, it's tough. Yeah, you're right. It's tough. I mean, man. But So I read this book every week. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> in preparation. In preparation for soul. How do I find peace in my prayer life? How do I find peace? Or I made a bad choice in life. Will God reject me because of it? How do I find peace in that? And this book answers that consistently and constantly. It, I find... I find with Father Jacques Philippe's books that you almost need to read all of them because they all, I don't know if you've, have you read any of his other books? Nope. Okay. But you've read, you read this one before, right though? I've right? read this one. Yes. Yeah, okay. He's written. He's... I do my research before our podcast. Jeez. Oh. Good read, so this you. is the second time I've read it. Okay. Uh, he's written other books. He has got a book on prayer on how to make time for God. Like it's very simple, practical stuff, but they all go together and I, I would argue that this book is kind of the ultimate fruit of them all because mm -hmm. it, it's really, this is where the rubber really hits the road in the Christian life. Um, so the, it, you're right when you said every Christian should be striving for peace and that, that we should be fighting for it is a, a really good I, good point. Is, is there, so I'm kind of curious when you were reading it again, was there something that really kind of stuck out to you in the book that you found like this is something I need or this is something Christians need to hear? Yeah, um, definitely. So one of the points he makes, and yeah. I think this is a very difficult point, is that holiness, these are, these are my words, but holiness is more than perfection. Right. Or holiness is more than no sinning. Yeah. Holiness is more than never falling. 
Uh, and and maybe our immediate reaction, we, we kick back against that. Like, no, 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 I have to not say, no, no, no. Holiness is more of this constant striving towards God mm-hmm. and this falling down and standing back up. Mm-hmm. And because you're going to fall. So we, we right. know this, even though we all want to be part of the no sin gang, there's going to be sin sometimes. Yeah. And a lot of times when we sin or when we fall or when we either, even if we commit a mortal sin or if we think we commit a mortal sin, we then kind of end up shutting ourselves off from God. And this is maybe a little bit of a tangent, but even if you literally commit a mortal sin, mm-hmm. God doesn't want you to stop praying. Exactly. Nor is the Holy Spirit destroyed in your soul. Because if it was, then you'd have to get rebaptized. Yeah. Now, there's a connection in that that's been lost, but you go to confession, you don't get rebaptized. And that feeling that you, that desire you have for repentance, or even that fear of hell that you have in your soul, is still God speaking to you. Yeah. So even the worst scenario, God is still looking on you with love, desires you to be with him, desires, of course, your repentance, and wants you to come to peace. Yeah. And that's a difficult thing because a lot of us have this um, New Year's resolution approach to holiness. Yeah. Like, I'm going to start my diet on this day, and I'm going to keep going, and I have to be perfect every day. And then what happens? We screw up one day, and then we get depressed, and then we just stop. Yeah. That's not what the Christian life is about. Exactly. So I think entering and allowing yourself to enter into that, because whenever we fall, and we learned about this a little bit when we were talking about the Sermon of Spirits, the accuser is always after us, whether it's ourselves mm-hmm. or the enemy or whatever else it is. And we end up being our own worst enemy in this. Instead mm-hmm. of remembering that God loves us and wants us to be at peace, we end up just accusing and removing ourselves from holiness and removing ourselves from prayer when really we God is inviting us into peace. So that yeah. dynamic was yeah. a really good reminder reading through this book. Yeah. And it's about like when like you're you're talking about this and it's really kind of hitting a point home for me of this idea of if we get so discouraged in our sin, then it shows us where our ultimate fault is that we think we can do it on our own. Yes, absolutely. Right? I well, like when we get and he makes that point too. I think somewhere in this That's book. That's his first he, point. Oh, is it? Okay, cool. His first point remember. is that from scripture that without Jesus Christ, you can do nothing. Exactly. Not some things. Not kind of things. Absolutely nothing. Absolutely nothing. Oh. I was, yeah, when I was reading it, I was like, oh man, this is so good. And every time you read these books, you give them a few years, you get the, some fresh eyes on them. You, you see even deeper things than you didn't before because of experience and everything. But this is the thing with like the confession thing. It's you, uh, when you, you, and he, when he's talking about going to confession, um, to go into it almost at peace, you have a confidence in the God who's going to forgive you. And it's a reminder to you to say, look how much you're still depending on yourself. Yes. Um, Trust in him more. Yeah. I want to stay on this a little bit because a lot of times our attitudes toward confession betray our attitudes towards God. Right. How you approach confession is really how you approach your relationship with God. Mm -hmm. Um, And so a lot of times, sometimes we joke about it, but this fear like, oh no, am I going to get hit by a car before I go to confession? Right. And sometimes there's like an actual, like a deep fear of that. Yeah. Or... Even, even in a more serious case, like, am I going to be able to get to confession before Mass? Right. And that ang- there's an anxiety there. Mm-hmm. And it's there because we, we want to receive communion or we don't want to receive unworthily. But if we forget that 
our souls are ultimately in God's hands. Mm -hmm. Like, sorry, we need to remember that our souls are ultimately in God's hands. Yeah. Like, have we forgotten that? Or do I need to go to confession to do this thing? And it's not to say that the, the sacraments, sacraments are, are real and effective and you have to go to them. Mm -hmm. But you also have to remember who God is. Exactly. So you see this, there's a tension there. There's a dynamic there. Yeah. Um, but you should go to confession in peace. Yeah. And there should be a certain peace, I would say, um, a peace surrounding your salvation. Yeah. Not a presumption surrounding yeah. your salvation. Not like, I know for sure I'm going to be saved. But remember who God is. Yeah. That God loves you and he died on the cross for you and he wants you to be saved. Mm -hmm. So how do I view my own salvation? I don't worry about it. I kind of mm -hmm. throw myself on God's mercy mm -hmm. and strive to be the son that he created me to be and baptized and made me in that. Yeah. So you see, it's not a quietism. And he talks about this. It's not a do nothing. Right. It's not, you know, this kind of um, parody of grace alone. It's not any of those things. Mm -hmm. But there's this underlying trust in who God is. Exactly. Yeah, totally. Amen. Amen. Totally. I... Um... I had a point and now it just totally left my head. Oh, okay. Darn it. So I'm going to get at it. So go ahead. How do you please do this? Do it. Please do it. How do you, how do you become at peace? And basically what he says is you have to hand yourself over to God. That whole like letting go and giving yourself to God. Um, what's another way to put that? I guess those are two good ways to put it. Mm -hmm. But like giving yourself over to God, giving your anxieties over to God. Mm -hmm. And it's tough because we say this all the time and then we're like, okay, but how do I do it? Mm-hmm. And one, his point is, you can't, you can't actually do exactly. it yourself. Like, if you're having trouble letting go, duh, because this this activity is not yours. It's yeah. something you have to pray for. Mm -hmm. So if you're freaking out and listening to this and saying, like, I would like to go, give myself to God and give Him my anxieties and all that, I don't know how to. Okay, it's your job to pray for that. Exactly. Like a lot of his answers in this book are like really simple, yeah. like almost annoyingly so. Like, okay, yeah. pray for it. Yeah. But you see what that does. Like that there's a lesson in that too. Like God will let us run up against a wall again and again and again until we realize that there's no way we're getting around this wall without him. Exactly. And that's the point. It's to say there actually prayer is the most practical thing you can do because it's the only place that you encounter him, that you encounter his love for you and that you can encounter his peace for you so that you can know that he's really there for you. Because the second you say, what what are what can I do? You've already lost the point of who God is. You've lost yeah. the trust in who God is right away. It's not to say that God God is um, a tool to be, like, it's not to say that God's like ineffective. It's to say, and that there aren't pragmatic solutions to this, but it's about a priority. And the priority is his grace. Yes, there will be practical steps you will have to take eventually, but you need, it's like an attitude, like you said, it's an attitude change completely mm -hmm. to say, you're in charge, I'm not, I lay it all on you. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, oh, there was something I was going to say about holiness <laughs> and why are we not holy right now? Because sometimes there's an anxiety, right. like... Yeah. There's, there's several anxieties, all kinds of anxieties in the Christian life because we don't live the Christian life well very often. Mm -hmm. But we have this fear that we can't be holy. Right. Or um, I have a lot of conversations with um, a, lot of, a lot of my friends my age. They're married. They have kids. And they are freaking out because they don't know how to pray. Mm -hmm. I mean, they know how to pray. Like some of my friends um, were with me in seminary. They discerned out of seminary. 
and now they're married, they have kids. You can't pray the same way when no. you're married and have kids than you could when you're in seminary. Exactly. Or even for single, single, I know a lot of single women who would, you know, pray a rosary at this time of day and then go to work and blah, blah, blah. You can't do that when you have toddlers trying to throw themselves down the stairs every two minutes. Yep. Right? So you're, but one of the points that Father Jacques makes in this book <laughs> is that you have everything you need to be as holy as God wants you to be now. Right. That's my interpretation. Like, as holy yeah. as you need to be, you can right now. You are never lacking in what you need to be holy. Yeah. Now, that prayer and that holiness is going to look different for you. Yeah. So what you have to do is get over yourself. You have this beautiful, shiny idea of what it means to be a saint. And guess what? That's not coming from God. It's coming from your own pride. Yeah. You do it. I do it. Yep. Even Father Harrison does it sometimes, <laughs> right? So let yep. go of that. Yeah, Like exactly. God doesn't care about your idea of holiness. Yeah. He just wants you to be holy. And it's going to look different for you. Yep, exactly. And, and, it's, and that holiness is going to take the form and shape of your vocation, mm -hmm. right? Okay, you're a parent. Great. You cannot go to adoration for three hours a day. No. it's not possible it's not allowed actually i would say i would <laughs> i would if i was a priest i'd be like you're neglecting your family yes <laughs> okay sorry go say okay, hello well, hold on, hold on. to your spouse me, some subtleties i should say feed you your know, children <laughs> you might have children maybe okay the kids are at school you can spend more time with prayer. that's different right yeah but, maybe you, can do that, yeah. you know but when you have like toddlers running around but he does say one of his other books in making time for god mm -hmm. he says everyone everyone should be able to carve out 15 continuous minutes of prayer a day even with toddlers right i agree in a sense they're in, so you look at your day and what's the best time to make it work now of course sometimes it's going to get messed up for whatever reason but be be consistent right just as you have to give time to your kids every day to love them just as you have to give time to your spouse every day to love them you need to give time to god to love and to be loved by him spend time with some scripture whatever it is if it's even if it's okay i don't really have a lot of time but when i'm in the car i can pray a rosary that's a great start but give yeah. god 15 concrete minutes a day to start and say help me to find you today help me to see you today help me to to love you in what i do today and that then you'll start to see wait cleaning the diaper that's how i'm going to be a saint right yeah going to work even though i don't feel like it that's how i'm going to be a saint um, it's, it's literally fulfilling the roles and duties of our vocation that makes us a saint. Mm -hmm. So here's another good line. I think it's the titles of one of his chapters mm -hmm. and it's every, re every reason why you lose your peace is a bad reason. <laughs> there is literally no good reason to lose your peace. Right. Now, don't beat yourself up. You're going to lose your peace. Right. Right. But a lot of times we try to justify this. Like, no, I'm sick right now. Like, I am just physically ill, and I can't pray the way that I used to be when I didn't have the flu. Or, um, you know, a lot of times families go through these just really tough months and even years when just everything goes wrong. And you think to yourself, once we just get over this time, then I can pray again, or then mm -hmm. I can be at peace again. But right now, I just need to get through this. That is not true. That is not a good reason. Right. Which is also to say that, your inner peace doesn't mean you are not sad or you're not compassionate right. or you're not angry, angry, <laughs> angry. Exactly. Right. Mm -hmm. So those are, are emotions that are going to happen. Yeah. No matter what. Yep. You know, 
Uh, yeah, yeah. Like you said, it's not a quietism. It's not. It's not like a. It's not a Buddhist Zen state. It's. Mm-hmm. But it's that I have peace in my anger. I have peace in my 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 happiness. I have that in all, regardless of the emotions or whatever I'm feeling. God's there. And God's the principal actor. And to look to Jesus in all this, right? Jesus yeah. got angry, yes. but he was at peace because he was doing the Father's will. And he knew his Father was there. Jesus was afraid on the cross. Mm-hmm. But he commanded his spirit to his Father, right? All these emotions and states of being, etc., at the heart of it, there has to be a peace. Absolutely. And there's another thing, because I thought about it because the reading today. So the reading today when we were recording was when Jesus goes to the town of Nain and um, there's a widow there. Her only son has died. Right. And the scripture says something along the lines of Jesus saw this and was moved with pity. Like he was right. moved with pity for this person. And, and what I preached about and what I want to bring up now is that a lot of times we feel like Jesus is this distant God in the clouds who does not feel for us, who does not sympathize with us or who is this kind of peaceful, all-knowing Buddha figure instead of someone who is with us in those emotions. Now, we can get carried away with our emotions sometimes. We have to like definitely admit that while emotions tell us something and they are one way of knowing things, they're not the only way, but to discount them is also wrong. And to hide them from God, like he doesn't know them or doesn't experience them with us, in the incarnate Jesus Christ is also wrong. And since I'm speaking about this, I need to get this out of my system. This is gonna be a tangent, but I'm gonna go for it anyway. There is a difference between righteous anger and you being a jerk. Very important difference. I need to say it at least once on the podcast. I'm probably gonna say it a lot of different times, but there's a difference between a good, genuine, righteous anger that is a motivation to justice and you just indulging in being angry because being angry is super fun. Like breaking stuff is super fun. Yelling at people is super fun. But don't use the fact that Jesus tipped over tables and made a whip out of cords to justify yeah. the fact that you're a jerk face. Yep. So there's my big tangent on anger that I wanted to do. But the whole <laughs> point is that Jesus okay, full, is... Full, full disclosure, I gave Father Anthony the keep on going signal because my power cord, I forgot to plug it in and my battery is about, to, my computer is about to die. <laughs> what are you doing? You're giving away all of our secrets. I'm sorry, man. <laughs> That's okay, because I wanted to say all this stuff anyway. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> so if you heard some rustling in the background, that was me getting the battery out of my container. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Anyways, sorry, continue. Yeah, so yeah, that was just the point that Jesus is not, um, while we need to be at peace, that doesn't mean we're emotionless. And while mm-hmm. God calls us to peace, that doesn't mean that Jesus Christ is foreign or um, stays away from our emotional messiness. Because we're yeah. very emotional, messy people. Jesus is okay with that. Yeah. He's not surprised. He knows you're a big mess. Right? Yeah. So, be exactly. at peace. Be at peace. Oh, look Amen. at that. Amen. Like, it's weird. Like, God actually loves us. I know this sounds really simple. And he actually wants us for us. Yeah. Like you actually, like you don't, it's not because you're a good person. Mm-hmm. It's just because he loves you. Yeah. Like think about like, <laughs> okay, I don't want to say this the wrong way, Father Harrison, but I'm going to try to say something. So like <laughs> when you have a baby, baby yes. is super cute, right? 
Yeah. But guess what? That baby is utterly useless. Really, that baby is only a burden to you. Mm-hmm. But do you hate the baby because the baby is only a burden to you? And no. it doesn't have a job and it doesn't pay taxes right. and doesn't cook dinner for you. No, you just, you just love the baby. And God has given us that mm-hmm. experience in humanity to remind us that like God just loves you. And it's mm-hmm. not a fake love. Your love for your child is not some fake love. It's not yeah. purely this biological thing in your brain. No, it's a real genuine love. Yeah. So... Remember that, and remember the fact that, oh, God loves you too, even yeah. though you cry all the time and are super annoying and are basically useless. He loves you. Mm-hmm. So be at peace. And, wow, that sounds like a tweet a priest recently uh, tweeted out. Who tweeted that? <laughs> Did you tweet that? Because I don't read your tweets. I only read my tweets over oh, and okay. over and over again. Oh, okay. So gotcha. I don't gotcha. remember tweeting that, so <laughs> it must have not been that important. Right. That's fair. Yeah. Uh, I Yeah, so I... I, like I said, I love this book. I, I mean, like he talks about um, like why sadness and discouragement aren't good things. And again, I, we, when you're reading this book, if you're someone who struggles with like depression and stuff like that, I know we throw this out a lot, but it's really important not to confuse a medical condition with like a, a, an emotional state all the time. They're not the same thing. You can be sad without, and like we, like we almost use the word depressed too much to just diagnose sadness. Right, right. Yeah. Um, no, he's saying, Nobody but like discouragement and sadness are not good, and that means that there's something that needs to change in us to reestablish a connection with God in that area. And he has all these things about, um, like your faults, for example. God can draw good out of them, and so don't worry. Like it's, it's essentially it's, it's it's the simplest message. Stop worrying. Dang it! <laughs> it's it's. Yeah. It's it's okay. God is here. It, again, it's like what we were talking about last week. It's kind of amazing how it kind of dovetails with that. Um, if God is the realest thing in your life, why are you discouraged about his work in your life or his presence or or whatever it might be? He is real. And that's the whole point of this book is to remind you of that. God is the realest thing in your life and he wants you to have peace and he wants you to have joy and he wants you to know and that you're going to sometimes still feel sad and be at peace because you know he's there. And that's the whole point. It's a recognition of his presence. Mm-hmm. So, so I just want to share a story yeah, before sure. you real quick yeah. about, about this. And uh, yeah. I mentioned it briefly, I think, before, but it was a few nights after the PA grand jury broke and the scandal was opened up anew. Yeah. And I finally knelt down to pray in front of this icon that I have of um, Our Lady. And it was the first time I had felt peace in a long time. Yeah. But if I'm like honest, most of my holy hours, I try to pray a holy hour every day. It doesn't happen every day, but this is something that I think most priests are supposed to do. But anyway, most of my holy hour is spent me just being anxious and giving that to God, and by the end of it, feeling less anxious. Right. Like that's most of my prayers. Like most right. of my prayer isn't God giving me like super great homily ideas. He right. really does, and I have really great homilies. No, no, no. It's most of the time it's just giving over my anxieties. Yeah. And just offering that to God, and yeah. finally calming down enough to be like, you know what? That marriage paperwork isn't going to actually kill me, right. even though it's not as on time as it should be. Right. Like God's like. Things are going to be okay. Yeah. Like that's as simple as my prayer normally is. Yeah, and exactly. It's just like literally... reminded me that that's good. Yeah. It's Jesus saying, come to me, all you who are burdened, heavily laden, and I will give you rest. 
put take my yoke upon you for it's easy and, and, and of light burden. It's that's the whole practice of this book. Mm-hmm. So I, I have a tip about reading this book. Oh yeah, do it. Uh, and I, I actually, it's a tip I give for all Jacques Philippe books because they're it's such manageable chunks. Like it's not really. I guess he's got like he's got not really even chapters. It's like he's got two par- or three parts in this book. One is about interior peace, the road to saintliness. Part two is about how to react to that which causes us to lose peace. And then part three is what the saints tell us. And then he's just got, it's more like section headings, like just minor sections. And most sections are only like a page and a half, two pages. Yeah, that's it. Makes it a delight to read. So what I always say is don't rush through this book. Mm-hmm. Let it sit with you and ruminate. With your daily prayer life, read one section at a time and use that for your prayer for the day. Trust me, the two pages are plenty for prayer material. He packs so much punch and it's so easy to read. You're going to find it a very easy, accessible thing. You're going to find plenty to pray with, to meditate on, to investigate your own life, to examine your life, to examine your own heart. Um, so that's always my suggestion. So like it's a book that actually usually takes me about a month to read just because more of I give each section a day and right. it takes you a while to get through it. I didn't do it this time. I kind of skimmed through right, it quickly for the podcast, but I, I that's whenever I've used his books, they, and I recommend all his books. I have all of them and I love them. And they're the books I lean on the most when I want something for prayer. Yeah. Really good uh, spiritual reading material. If yeah. you're looking for something new, pick up this yeah. book. It's good. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess that leads into the question. And <laughs> if you've been listening attentively, you can probably guess the answer, but I'm going to ask the question anyway. Father Harrison, should this book be on the index? Absolutely not. Like the opposite. What's the opposite of the index? Like books that you have to read? <laughs> the the table of contents? <laughs> I guess, yeah. <laughs> but really, this is like... If you can have a book of required reading for somebody who's yeah. interested in the spiritual life, like I yeah. would throw this one on there in a heartbeat. Yeah, totally. Any of his books are good for that. Any have you book. encountered an audiobook version of this? Because I have not. I have not. Yeah. But I think it's better to pick up and read anyway. That way you can take it with you into the chapel exactly. or you can hide away in your car to get away from noise or whatever else put, it is. You can put it in your pocket. It's only 100 yeah. pages, but it's really small. It's really easy to read. Um, yeah, read them. He is yep. the best. And uh, it, people, people, a lot of people are trying to figure out how to start a spiritual life. He really is the best guy to start off with this. He, um, Yeah, I could talk about this forever just because he's this that good. I, I, I hope you're getting through it through to your heads that read him, read him, read him. Thumbs up for Jacques Philippe searching for and <laughs> maintaining okay, well, hold on a peace. A small treatise on peace of heart. It is but very good. Why did you say Jacques Philippe? You know, most people go like Jacques Philippe. You keep why saying Why didn't you put the accent on the E in the Philippe? I feel like we're pronouncing it the same way. I don't understand what you're saying. I never understand anything you're ever saying. It's just all wah, 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 wah. Like, you know, the teachers on Charlie Brown. Yeah. Well, on that note... We have, speaking of someone else who goes wah, 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 we actually have a special guest Yeah. that we finally booked for the podcast, Tommy Ty. And we're out of time. Wait, oh, oh crap, it's already 56. Oh, yeah, we don't want to go longer. Tommy, I'm sorry. I'm going to keep you on mute. I know he's making a lot of faces. He's on, like, the Skype call, but we can't. 
We can't. Sorry, we need to give you the full time you need. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry. Next week. Bummer. Well, guys, I am Father Anthony Sharapa. You can find me at Father Sharapa. Father Sharapa. Father Sharapa on Twitter. You can also uh, find uh, our podcast at Clerical Pod. You can find Father Harrison where? Yeah, I'm at Fr Harrison. So come and find me there. We have an email address, don't we? Yeah, clericalpod at gmail.com. That's what it is. Uh, also, send us emails or tweets about books you want us to talk about. And yeah. if it's good and we feel like doing it, maybe maybe we'll do it. Maybe we'll and let you know who did it. We will get back to emails eventually. It's about getting used to checking this email account. <laughs> right. Yeah. Like, my diocese wishes I checked the emails. So. Yes. And leave reviews, <laughs> please. Right. Let your friends know. Well, God bless y'all. Peace.